Welcome back to Ew, That's Creepy Podcast. The twins are back with another case of someone who killed for love. Jackie will be telling Melissa about a twisted love triangle that has more players involved than it seemed. Please be aware that this episode will discuss violence, murder, and a graphic crime scene. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. Ooh, that's creepy. We are here with another episode. Another episode about love. Killer love. Dun dun. We hope you all had a good Valentine's Day, though. Yeah, before we get into the horrible, I hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day and it was full of love, no matter who it was from. And I hope you guys gave some love, too. Even if it was some self-care. Yeah. Because that's the best form of love, in my opinion. Oh, the number one form of love you need. Yeah. We agree on that. We love self-care up in here. Yes, we do. Go check out Jackie's podcast, The Teon Drama. <laughs> yes, that is true. We talk about self-care. Um, yeah, we hope you guys like that bit of positivity, because it's about to go downhill and let's just get right in to the traumatic events of this tale. And this is Killing for Love. That's our theme today. Yep, we're killing for love. We aren't. I was going to say, <laughs> what? We aren't. <laughs> but um, yeah, somebody might in the story. So we're going to talk about a little tale from Yakima, Washington. Okay, but please first tell everyone how you found this story and what oh, you... Oh my god. What you told me about it. <laughs> There's a picture of this one of the women in this story with this wig and oh my gosh, I'm not judging. I'm really not. I never want to judge people for their wigs, but it just honestly looks like it could be a party wig. It was so bad. Even my boyfriend, when we, <laughs> he was watching the video actually at some point regarding this case and he, all he could say was, is that a wig? Why is that woman wearing that wig? It's the <laughs> shiniest blonde yeah. wig I have ever seen in my life. And it has no part. It's one of those where, I mean, it has a part, but it's like not... Bangs and just horrible. We'll obviously put up pictures. I hate to judge, but that, it just, oh, it really grabbed my attention so fast. <laughs> the wig needed to be said. That's the all. wig. That's all. Take it away, Jack. Yeah, anyway, this happens in... The tragic events of this story sadly happened in April of 2013. We're just going to get right into it. A husband had called 911 and he was very worried about his wife. He said that he had been out of town for the night. It was um, Sunday and he had been out of town that Saturday night. And the couple had actually had a break-in in their home the week prior so he had installed security systems that he said were tripped and he had gotten alerts. You know how, like, security systems give you alerts if a door is open or something like that. Right. He said he had got a couple of those. I believe some... He had some from late Saturday, like 3 a.m. Well, I guess it would be Sunday. At into Sunday and he had saw it when he woke up and he was calling his wife and he couldn't get a hold of her so he was worried and he basically just wanted the police to do a wellness check type thing. Now I'm trying to be rude but what's the point of having the alerts come up to your phone if you're going to not check your phone at night? Because at night is kind yeah. of the one time you would really need the alerts to be on. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I mean, I guess you would be sleeping without your sound on, but it does seem kind of counterintuitive if you would have it on your phone. I would assume the break had happened when they weren't there, so they wanted the security system for when you're not home. Okay. But that is a really good point, that overnight... I mean, maybe if you're in your house, you would think, like, oh, I'll hear it. But you would also think it'd be a good idea to still keep it on. Especially because if you're going out of town, you would think that people would break in at night while you're gone. 
Yeah, but maybe because he thought that his wife was home, it was fine. Mm, I'm suspicious already. <laughs> maybe going. from the theme, yeah, I'm assuming everyone's um, sus of husband already. But I'm okay. on edge. <laughs> so, so the police are just like, yeah, whatever, we'll send someone over. And husband calls back about 20, 30 minutes later. He says that he's home. He's at his house now. He reached the location. So I'm assuming the police didn't go over because he got there and he's calling 911 again. And he says that in his back door, they had put, they had nailed a board over the window, like of the back door because of the robbery, I think. So somebody couldn't break the glass of the back door window. So there's a board over it and he calls back. 911 and says that the board is broken. And so he thinks that there was probably another robbery and he doesn't want to go inside. Even though his wife is inside. I'm already so <laughs> suspect of him because who would break a board to rob someone's house when you could just go to the neighbors or something like that? That's a lot of effort, but all right. And uh, the light bulb for the back porch, I don't know, the back area was removed, which is strange. Very. But police do show up this time and they have their cameras on. So there is like a video if you, I'm sure you can find it online because I did. And they take a video of them entering the home as they normally do. The home is really well kept and clean. Everything seems to be in place. However, they see a bloody shoe print in the entryway, and there are shell casings from the entryway, literally just, like, leading to a, in a path to the office near the bathroom. Oh, my God. And they are 9mm Rugers, and there were, like, a lot. They just said there were many, many oh bullets. Oh, my God. That's like a movie. Yeah. And tragically, they find a female victim in the doorway of the bedroom. She was partially clothed and the officer said it just smelled like blood and there was blood all over the place, all over the floor. One of the officers says that he actually can hair stands up on his arms when he just thinks about it because it was very, very horrible and traumatic. And sadly, the victim's name was Desiree Sunford. She was a teacher, an art teacher for the local county school district. And she was like a very much loved, pretty well-known person in the community. So it was really, really upsetting to find out that she was the victim. That's really tragic. It was. And he could tell that she was obviously deceased just from finding her. So just a little about a little bit about Desiree real quick. She is obviously um, an art teacher, but I think it's really cool because uh, her mom has said that she actually learned how to ride a Harley Davidson motorcycle and bought herself one and rode her motorcycle at night, like after teaching. Oh my gosh, Desiree's a badass. I know she was really cool. And her husband's name was Scott. He, you know, the one who called. He's an ex-army guy who is now a mechanic. He served two tours in Iraq. Uh, Connie's mom said that they were high school sweethearts. And they had been together for nearly two decades. And they were really close. And they had a good relationship. Wait, who's Connie? Her mom. I just said um, Desiree's mom. You said Connie's mom. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. (laughs) Connie, Desiree's mom, had just recalled that they were high school sweethearts, and they had been together for a while, so obviously everybody was very, very shocked to hear this news that Desiree, Desi, as many people called her, was killed and in such a brutal way. And it sounds to me that they planned to kill her because there was a lot of shell casings and stuff. Who just comes in? blazing their ruger at one person for just a random robbery. You already removed the board outside. It seems to me like someone had it. And there was just a robbery last week. Yeah. But 
officers, police officers, like, really, they have so many suspicions from the jump, though. Like, when they get there, they're like, why would Scott, an ex-military man who was armed, he had a gun when he showed up. What? They were like, why would he not go inside to see if his wife is okay? Like, that already they just thought was so strange. I mean, no judgment. You could be totally scared and, like, freeze, but... Some things yeah. just don't make sense. <laughs> yeah, and it's like he had a gun and he had, he was ex-military. He knows how to shoot it. And But anyway, there were rifles and other valuables inside of the home that were not taken when police searched it. A lot of guns. <laughs> and they were not taken. There were other valuables and stuff and they were all still there. So police interviewed Scott immediately. So, officers get him to come into the sheriff's office so they can interview him, I believe, right after they find his wife, like, later that day. And you know how they do. They put you in the room and they leave you in there for a second. But basically, everybody knows they're recording you. And they are recording Scott and just letting him sit there for a minute before they interview him. And... He's like, okay, hold it together, bud. That's literally what he says. And he's like trying. What? He's trying to calm himself down. He's like taking deep breaths. He's clearly trying to like get it together and calm down. And he, he says a couple other statements just kind of like, yeah, basically to that effect, like get it together. Okay. I'm I'm like, I don't know if I should see that as suspicious or normal because your wife was just killed, but... I agree, but officers, they're kind of like, why does he want to calm down when his wife was killed? We do not care if this man is upset. So they thought it seemed more suspicious. Yeah, they were just like, who cares if he's upset? He doesn't have to be calm right now. Your wife was just murdered. I guess that's just not typical for spouses who's... Or people whose spouse was killed and, you know, it's not a normal reaction. But they begin... The first thing police basically always do is read you your Miranda rights. They go to read Scott his Miranda rights and he automatically says, am I under arrest? Because I'll basically want to talk to my lawyer or something like that. And they're like, no, we're just reading you your Miranda rights. That's what we do for everybody. Scott, sweetie, do you want to make yourself look any more suspicious right now? (laughs) Yeah, Scott's not doing well from the jump, but he goes along with the interview and says that Desiree was recovering from an injury. I'm not sure what, but he went on some like little just overnight trip with his family and he had called her and said he was going to stay with his family for Saturday night. And that, yeah, when he woke up Sunday morning, he had these messages on his phone that the front and back door had been opened, and he just assumed that Desiree had gone out the front door and came through the back door. But I'm thinking, like, didn't you? Yeah, I was literally just going to say, I'm thinking it was, like, I thought he said it was late at night, like, what? What the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Yeah, I, he was, like... One of the most suspicious people just from the jump. Like, everything is not going well for him. But I promise it's not that basic of a story. Oh, no, I already love it because for some reason I love when people make themselves look like a total ass during police interviews. Yeah, something about it. I'm just, it's like, it is entertaining. I hate to say it, but when someone just does a horrible interview, you're just like, what? What Yeah, not when they're coerced by the police. No, that's bad. But when someone is so guilty that they just give it all away. From yep. the jump. Yep, and that's basically what he does. <laughs> so he says he gets up at about 7.30 on Sunday morning, and he is, like, obviously getting stuff together to leave to go home. He keeps calling Desiree, trying to get a hold of her, and she's not answering, so he gets freaked out, and he calls police. And... They say, like, you were in the military for 13 years. Why didn't you go into the house? Like, what? Yeah, and check on your wife. Yeah, but he doesn't really, like, say much about that. He basically just says that he assumed that when he saw the back door 
that it was a robbery and he was going to call police. <laughs> and he also said that, oh, just kidding. One of the things he did say was that he thought he couldn't deal with what he might see. So he called the police. It's like, on one hand, I kind of understand that. But at the same time, I don't. Because if I if I think if I came home to mom and dad's house or your house and I thought it was a robbery, I would immediately go in, especially if I had a gun. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like it's 4.30 in the morning. It's the next day. I agree. And police, but Scott is making it so obvious. And even if he wasn't in this interview, like, it kind of just... The way the murder was carried out, it was so specific and direct. Like you said, like it was basically directed towards Desiree. They just seemed like it reminded them of something. It would be done by someone who had military experience, which Scott obviously did. So they they were just so suspicious of him from the start. But they know that the, the footprint that was left, they kind of like have a suspicion of what kind of shoe left it and they collect the shoes from the home and Scott's shoes and they do all those tests with the footprints and all that stuff and the footprint didn't match any of Scott's shoes. So when they're looking at it more, the actual physical evidence isn't really matching Scott. Like, the physical evidence isn't. He's just acting so weird. And there was, they did have evidence of the previous burglary that uh, a computer and an iPad and a couple other things had been taken. Like, so there were some things of value taken from the other burglary. Ouch. But police, they're sneaky. They look at Facebook and they see a status And in the interview, they don't say who exactly posted the status, so I'm not sure if it was Scott or Desiree who posted this. They just say, like, one of you guys did to Scott, but they're like, what's up with this status that one of you guys posted? And it said, getting a divorce is harder than getting away with murder. (gasps) What? So they're like... What's up with that? Was your marriage not going so great? Damn, I love that the police are already on his Facebook. They're, yeah, they're on it in this case. On his ass. They're on his ass. And they're like, what's up with your marriage? Like, was everything okay? And he's like, no, my marriage, it's great. We have no issues. Like, everything's good. The metaverse (laughs) says otherwise. Yeah, police were just like, yeah, we really don't um, believe that. So... Tell us your story again. Like, give us it all. Give us it all one more time. What's your story? He just says, again, he was spending Saturday night. He was going to stay with his family. But he said that he decided to stay with a friend instead of his family. And they're like, okay, like, who's your friend? And he says, my friend's name is Paige. And she's a mutual friend of me and my wife. And she lives in Moses Lake. And Scott said that it was rainy and windy and the weather was bad on Saturday night. So he just went to stay with Paige instead of driving home. Police are like, okay, you do realize that where you were from, it was the equal distance to Paige's place as it was for you to drive home. (laughs) Like, you do realize that, right? Like, you could have drove home and it was the same distance. Oh my god. Scott. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but they ask him if he had a sexual relationship with Paige, and he says, I shouldn't really go there because that's kind of rude, but yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, I don't know who you think you are, but I don't know if you think you're the police or what, but that is not your personal business. But that's exactly what's happening. Yes, yes. What was the point of telling them how rude it was if you were still going to answer it? (laughs) I know. I just love this. I shouldn't really go there because that's kind of rude. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of like pictures of a lot of evidence, pictures of the home and videos and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of evidence going on with this case. I thought your marriage was great, Scott. 
<laughs> you I just know. said that. I know. But uh, police go to interview Paige next. And they interview her. I think it was like 12 hours into the investigation. It was like... They've uncovered so much. They have literally done so much. And Paige is just... She's a woman in her 20s. I think her younger 20s. She was also a former military. And she worked for a food packaging company in Moses Lake. And she says that her and Scott and Desiree were all friends. And that she had actually lived with the couple for a while in their home. And they were all just friends. She says that Scott is her best friend. And that... When they met, she was drinking a lot, so Scott helped her with, like, a lot of personal issues, and later they became intimate. And she actually said that Desi knew about it, and she just accepted... What? I'm sorry. She just accepted Paige into their marriage. So they thruppled? Basically, that's what Paige is saying that they began, like, yeah, a thruple, I guess, like an op. They had, she said they had an open marriage and there wasn't any jealousy, but Desi was like a little possessive. Like, Desiree would be possessive and she eventually started to feel weird about it and eventually asked Paige to move out. Okay, so they didn't thruple, but he, but apparently Desi and Scott Scott are having an open relationship. Yeah, and moved Paige into the home for a while. (sighs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, that's just that. Was that confirmed? Well, okay, so friends of Desiree's think that Desiree would never share Scott. They just do not believe that. And friends of hers... Like, later on found messages, I think, probably when they were going through Desiree's things, where Desiree said to Paige, stay away from my family and my home, and Paige said, "If if you weren't around Scott, he would be with me, basically. What does that even mean? Like, so her friends are like, yeah, we really don't think Desiree was just allowing this to happen when we found these messages saying that she told you basically back off my man. What do you mean if you weren't around Scott and he would go to you? They're married. How is she not going to be around him? I think she just meant like if he wasn't married to you, he would be with me. It's like, okay. Okay. Well, he's still married to her. (laughs) Exactly. Like, well, he's married to me, so that's not going to happen. Goodbye, Paige. Yeah. And her friends say that I don't know if she specifically said that she didn't trust, like, told her friend she didn't trust Paige or she found messages, but they knew, like, her friends were like, no, we don't believe that. Mm, Okay. Uh Uh-uh. And actually, one of her friends saw Scott show up at a nearby hotel after Desiree had passed away with Paige. (gasps) And, like, one of her friends just, like, worked, I think, yeah, worked at the hotel. And she's like... (laughs) Okay. It's rude. Mm-hmm. And event, yeah, police eventually searched Desiree's Facebook, too, and they also searched pages. On April 18th, they searched pages, which is, like, days after the murder. They're so on top of it. Damn. And they find on pages that she had recently been saying to a friend, I think in a chat, that she hadn't been feeling well because she was pregnant. (gasps) What? Just openly on her page? No, like, I think it was, like, in a chat. How did they have access to that? They're the police. They can get your access. Oh, so they I'm sure they subpoenaed, yeah, I'm sure they subpoenaed her stuff and got, like, a warrant for her Facebook account, but, yeah, I believe they saw messages where she had said to a friend that she wasn't feeling well because she was pregnant. Paige is preg. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Desiree's friends were like, well, don't you think that's convenient that Paige was pregnant? Yeah. And they were like, I wonder if Desiree knew that. Paige did have the baby in 2013, and she had a paternity test at the request of her ex-boyfriend, and the baby was... Scott's. 
Her ex-boyfriends. <gasps> oh. Yeah. But she had wondered. I'm, I think she was confused of who the dad was or there might have been some overlap. I don't know. But Paige did say that her and Scott continued to have sex after Desiree's death for a while. But then Scott eventually found a new girlfriend and moved this new girlfriend into his home. And she said her and Scott kind of drifted apart. Hmm. More than a year later, in July of 2014, police get a Crime Stoppers tip, and it's quite juicy. It basically says that they know who the murderer is of Jezreel, and somehow they are able to determine who actually sent in the tip. Yeah. How? It's like that. It's not really anonymous, then, is it? I don't know. Yeah, I do not know. I don't know if they should be telling us that. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but they determine... It was actually from Paige. <gasps> what? So they call in Paige, and they are like, hey, girl, long time no see. What's up with that tip? Yeah. And they, I think the tip had said the name of the person, the name of this guy named Marty Grismer. And they pull up a picture of this guy, and they show it to Paige, and they're like, is this who you're talking about? And she just starts crying, and it's like, that's the person who killed Desiree. She said that Marty was her best friend for a long time. Like, I believe years and years and years. They were good, very good friends. And a couple weeks before the shooting, she had told Marty about her pregnancy. And he said that if the baby was Scott's, then Desiree would cause issues. And that there would be a problem. And, like, things would never work out. And Paige says that Marty literally worships the ground that she walks on and was, like, obsessed with her, and that the two had kind of dated a little bit before she had got with Scott, but they continued to, like, just hang out and be friends after the breakup, and I'm pretty sure she said that they were, like, never sexually act, like, I don't think they ever actually had sex, but they were kind of dating, I don't know. Okay. But she says they were, like, yeah, kind of together right before she was with Scott. But And she says that, the, yeah, the reason why Marty shot Desiree was because Paige was pregnant with Scott's baby. So did so she So Marty tell him wanted that? to help. So did she tell him she was pregnant with Scott's baby? Because she wasn't. I think she thought she was. I think she thought it was Scott's baby. Like, she really did. Bitch, you think need that. to confirm before you kill someone over it. Yeah, well, I mean, she wasn't doing the killing, and she didn't... Honestly, she didn't... She says she didn't say it to Marty, like, kill Desiree. What man who is obsessed with a woman, and I'm not saying he didn't kill her, but in this circumstance that Paige just laid, laid down... What man who is obsessed with a woman would kill the woman's lover's wife? Why well, would he do that? Police literally are like, if he loved you, why wouldn't he have killed Scott <laughs> so he could be with you? Okay, thank you. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, Detective Melissa <laughs> and this bitch. And police are also like, well, why did it take you over a year to say this? Like, they're just so confused. But they're like, yeah, we need some more evidence before we just go out and arrest Marty. Yeah. But she does, like, recount, she says that the night of the shooting, Marty had called her, and somehow he knew that only Desiree was home. And... Paige told them that Scott had showed Marty around the house before, and he knew there was a key, and so he got the key and went in the door, and he knew, like, where the closest bedroom was, and it was around 3 a.m., and he shot her three times, and that Desiree fell, and then he shot her some more, and then he walked out and walked in the back through the back to leave shoe prints. I don't know why he wanted to do that. And he put the key back in left. And when he got home, he started a fire and burned his whole outfit and showered and then went to work the next day. And he also told Paige that he did the burglary the week before and stashed the stuff that he took in his dad's house. That was he told Paige all of that a year ago. 
Okay, first of all, that was the most convoluted story I've ever heard. It makes no sense. And no way do I believe that Scott was like, hey, friend of my side hoe, why don't you come around and look at where I keep my spare key to my house? Hint, hint. Okay. okay that to me, like, what? What? How does... I just don't even understand how... What they said the reasoning was for that. I don't even think Paige gave a reason why Scott had showed Marty around the house before. Like, I needed more information on that. That's for sure. The worst part about this entire story is that she had had a whole year to come up with this. Well... Even if it's true, you had a year to touch up these little pieces that could not be true under any way... Just keep going. But police still don't have anything that links Paige or Scott. Like, they don't have anything that say Paige or Scott did it. But Paige had also said that Marnie had talked about in the past, like, ways to kill people. And she just thought that it was, like, a joke at the time. (sighs) Oh, my God. And that he would always say, like, he did, he just wanted to do stuff to make her happy and that she was going to have this baby and, like, a life with Scott and she could start a fresh new life. And that was, like, what Marty wanted for her. Between Paige and Scott, I don't know who's worse. Yeah, well, I don't know. But police do ask Paige to wear a wire and talk to Marty because they don't have anything like concrete to arrest him. So Paige agrees and she asks Marty to get a coffee together after work and police are surrounding the place like waiting to pounce and Paige asks Marty about like evidence and stuff like some general questions but like if you did the murder you would know. And Marty says, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had nothing to do with it. And he says, like, you're confusing dreams with reality. And then he says he'll only talk about it if she'll strip down first so he can make sure he's she's not wearing a wire. But he's definitely saying it, like, in a flirty way. Like, you can hear it in the audio. It's, like, flirty. Like, yeah. And they, yeah, police are, like, watching the whole thing, and they have, they're seeing, like, Paige and Marty, you know, they're close, like, he has her arm around her, like, it does kind of verify, like, what Paige said, that he had a, I don't know, a crush, an obsession, as Paige would say. But he didn't say anything, so they don't have anything on Marty either. I think he just honestly wanted to undress her real quick. (laughs) He's like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know, but they don't have anything on Marty in that little page wearing a wire thing did not work but I'm assuming they keep tabs on Marty because a few months later at Marty's work he was seen taking out plastic bags filled with gun parts and somebody actually called the police so (laughs) (laughs) it must have just been like out in the open and they told them like where they saw it and police recovered the gun pieces and they found that the gun matched the bullets at the scene so now they do know that Marty did it Oh my gosh, I thought for a minute he didn't. She was just trying to pin that on him. Right? These are the... So now it's November of 2014, and they go to Marty's place, and he has... He's, like, living in his place. He has a wife of his own, and they're like, hi, we're here, and we have um, a search warrant, and we're charging your husband with first-degree murder. And his wife is just like, what? (laughs) Like, shook. And they take all of his phones and his computers, all of that, but they find no evidence, like, no connection that Marty had to either Paige or Scott. Damn. Yeah. But they do find, they search his parents' house, too, and they find pairs of shoes that were similar to the ones that left a shoe print at the crime scene. And... He basically doesn't admit to anything, but he says, like, I'll go to trial. It's my word against Paige's. Yeah, and they really don't have much except the gun at this point. Yeah. And he was originally charged with aggravated first-degree murder, but eventually Marty did plead. He took an Alfred plea, which means that... He took an Alfred plea to second-degree murder, which means that the prosecution has enough evidence to convict you, and you acknowledge that, but you're not admitting guilt. 
Okay. So that is what Marty took. Prosecutors had said that prior to trial, uh, Grismer's, Marty Grismer's former cellmate had said that he was obsessed with Paige and that he was trying to frame Scott for the murder. Like, he basically had, the cellmate had said details that you wouldn't know unless it had came right from Marty, but he refused to testify in court because of, like, some gang connections, is what the article that I read said. Damn, this is crazy. I really thought Scott and Paige planned this. Yeah. And... Now I feel bad for all the shit I talked. (laughs) I was gonna say that, but I was like... So, Mar... People talk to Marty's ex-wife because she's kind of like, I do feel bad for her. Like, her, they just snatched her husband up and he's gone now and she didn't, had no, no clue of that. But she said that Paige was his best friend and he said that and that him and Paige had worked together and that they would go and hang out. And she had met Marty, his wife had met Marty a month after Desiree's murder and they got married six months later And they were married from 2013 until 2018. And she said that Paige was the best man in Marty's wedding. And Paige wanted to match his outfit exactly. What the hell? And she says that Marty wanted to do the wedding exactly how Paige wanted it. And that it caused, like, a big fight. Like, they obviously were, like, really... She was really upset And she also found that Marty was giving Paige money very, like, a lot. And he had bought her a car. He had been hiding messages with Paige. And she found that there was sexual messages of his to Paige. Damn. Yeah. Okay, so I do still think that she is lying about some stuff. Yeah, but prosecution just says that... Like, Marty only got 15 years, which sounds light, but prosecution, they really did not have much when you think about it, and they definitely recognize that. I'm honestly surprised he even took that deal. I am too. I really am, but I don't know. Maybe maybe the prosecution had, like, one more thing that they were like, I don't know, we have this, so... Yeah. But Desiree's friends obviously try to remember Desiree out of all this drama. They talk about how Desiree and her friends would drive around and listen to music when they were younger and have a great time. One of her friends, Kayla in particular, says that um, they met in school, in class. They were sitting next to each other and just struck up a conversation and were great friends. So she was obviously very, very upset. And you can just tell, like, when she gives interviews, even to this day, she's still very upset. So many people actually said that they had sadly heard about Desiree's murder on the news. And I think maybe even some of her faculty members that she worked with at school had found out the morning before going to school. Oh, my God. And they recall wondering how that they would tell all of her students that she had been killed, that their teacher had been murdered. So it is like, there's a lot of salacious drama with this story, but it's so sad thinking that Desiree, like, was an amazing art teacher and obviously sounds like a super cool person. Murdered for literally nothing. Yeah. And like, wasn't even pregnant with Scott's baby. Yeah. And it is just, just makes you wonder, like, if Paige's story is true, which it honestly seems like what she said about Marty is true, why did Scott show him around the home. Why did Scott not go in when he got there? Like, they've never been charged, and I get that. They are innocent, but... And what? It just seems too sus. Too weird. And why would she... I just don't believe the fact that... Why would she just say to Marty that it was Scott's baby? If if you were sleeping with your ex-boyfriend, you clearly were... That is who got you pregnant. You had to have known that there could be a chance. So why would you stress to this man that it's Scott's when you really don't know? Like, there's just so much that it seems like it would make more sense for Scott and Paige and Marty, the three of them, to do this together. To plan it, yeah. And 
Paige does this interview with, yeah, Crime Watch Daily. True Crime Daily. Well, I don't know. I think when they interview people, it's Crime Watch Daily. Oh, really? Yeah, but I swear to God, like, I do not know why she did this interview. Like, everything about it looks so bad, like, for her. Like, no part of it does her justice. Is she who's wearing the wig? Yeah, she's the one wearing the wig, and it's just... It's such a bad interview. It really does not make you feel any bit of anything for Paige. I hate to say it because I don't, but you know, the empath in me, I hate, honestly, I hate talking crap about people, but she just does herself so dirty. Like they're asking her about all everything. And she says that her and Scott, when they began her affair, the affair of Scott, concocted this like schemey little plan to actually introduce Paige to Desiree saying that she was dating a friend of his like and she says like Paige wasn't suspicious of anything and that her and Paige did become very good friends and she helped or I mean Paige and Desiree did become very good friends and Paige actually helped Desiree plan Scott's 30th birthday party when she was sleeping with Scott. And, and why are you And Desiree telling... had no idea. And why are you telling them this on True Crime Daily? What does this have to do with anything? I know. I seriously, I do not know why she would give this interview. And she says, like, yeah, her, it all got too close for comfort, basically. She says she was, like, living with them part-time, and they all slept in the same bed. And it was, like, at first she slept on the outside, but then eventually Scott, like, slept in the middle of her and Desiree. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, and they they are, I will say, they are so savage on the, like, on the interview. The interviewer? Yeah, it is so savage. Like, at one point they just say, I'll just read it. Were you in an open relationship with Desiree and Scott? Yes. Desiree was approving you're having sex with Scott. Yes. And you were having sex with Desiree. Mm-hmm. That's your final answer. Yes. You're lying to us right now. You're a liar. <laughs> she just says, I'm not lying. Why does he believe that so strongly? Because Desiree's friends and family claim vehemently that that's untrue. They pull up. So they actually have the messages. This, like, they must, friends of, in the family must have sent in the messages to Crime Watch Daily, True Crime Daily, you know what we're talking about. Oh my god, this so, is drama. Yeah, and they read it. Like, they just read it out loud to Paige. And Desiree writes, I'm just getting frustrated. You two chat and show pics, and I tend to get left out. One of you leaves, the other hops out too. It's adding up, but over time it's starting to bug me. Paige wrote, I try to stay out of the way as much as possible. I understand if you don't want me here. And Desiree said, there's something wrong here. And, like, she knew there was something going on. Going on. She says, there's something not right about this relationship you have with my husband. So you can cut, like, and they're just, like, they literally say to Paige, like, you can cut the act, like, that so she was approving. It's and, clear that Desiree just thought this was a friend of Scott's that was living with them. Yeah, listen to how savage this is. So, <laughs> guys, obviously I'm going to link this interview. You have to watch it. Like, you have to. And Paige says, I don't remember that conversation. And the interviewer goes, oh, you don't remember? Well, let me remind you of another one. (laughs) This is you writing to her. If you ever die and he needs a wife, I'm half convinced that would be me. (gasps) Who would say that? That's bitchy. Yeah. So, I mean, it is like, I'm, I'm, the interviewer has a right to say that stuff because like. The interviewer (laughs) hates her. (laughs) Yeah. And another part, uh, he said, while we're on the subject of your honesty, you said Marty was obsessed with you, but you never had any type of sexual relationship with Marty. What about the nude photo exchanges between you two? Oh, damn. Yeah. What did she say? She said, yeah, they sent nudes, but they never had sex. It would just be like naked pictures, like a photo shoot. I mean, I guess that could be true. Who's to say that they actually had sex, but at this point, her lies are just adding up. Oh my god. Wait, listen to this. I'm sorry. I forgot about this part, guys, and I'm just like, it's all coming back to me because there's so many bits and pieces. So they say, they're asking her about the pictures, and Paige says, most of the photos that Marty got, Scott also got 
So did Scott's dad. They said, you were close with Scott's dad as well? And Paige says, yeah. And so they said, did you and Scott's dad ever fool around? She says, yeah, yeah, we fooled around, but we never had sex. What the fuck? So you mean to tell me (laughs) she is... She is having some fling with Marty, having a fling with Scott, who is married, and then having a fling with Scott's dad. Yeah. What? This is a lot, and clearly her boyfriend, who she had a child with. And they end the interview with him saying, uh, how do you think you did in this interview? And Paige says, I didn't cry too much. And he says, but we know those tears were fake. (laughs) She says, they weren't, though. He says, people are going to watch this and say, man, this woman is lying up and down. They are so savage. Oh, my God. Like, put those two in the ring. Yeah, but um, Connie Desiree's mom gives a really good line that in the interview. It said, karma's a bitch, and once she's got your number, you never know when she's going to come get you. Damn. So... Tell it like it is, Connie. That's that story. Obviously, go watch the interview, but I just had to mention parts of it if you don't have time. It's just so, like, page. Because it does, I had, after just reading all of the stuff I could read, I was like, well, no, like, maybe Marty was just, like, obsessed with her. But then all that stuff, like, sending the nude pictures, like, those messages to Desiree were so conniving. Like, who does that? Her saying that she was having a relationship with Scott's dad, if that's even true, it almost too is like, did you want to marry Scott and then also have something with his dad too? Something about that seems so odd to me. Like, I honestly do not wonder. I, like, I have no idea if that's true and it's just so weird. Like, why would you ever say that on TV I truly when you're connected to this? Like, she must want attention. Okay. I do feel bad for all this shit I talked. Like, I will apologize for all that shit, but at the same time, I still just think that there's something very odd about both Scott and Paige's story. I just don't think that it adds up, and since Marty has never totally admitted this or never told his story, I wish he would just confirm what happened because, like, I just cannot believe that they had nothing at all to do with this, and they just casually showed this man around the house. I agree. It's just, obviously, Scott and Paige are innocent. Like, they didn't kill her. They did not pull the trigger. Right. They legally had nothing to do with it. But you can't tell me if they weren't having a relationship that Desiree would have been killed. Like, Desiree's death stems from the affair, as sad as it is. Whether it's from... Whether the love kills in this story is between Scott and Paige or Paige and Marty. Damn. But I have no idea. The thing that really pisses me that F off is the fact that Desiree was killed because Paige thought she was pregnant with Scott's baby and that wasn't even true. Nope. Wasn't even true. That irritates me so bad. Like, Desiree should still be here. That was just so... And it's really, it's really sad that she would go, that Paige would go on TV and do that interview and just be so disrespectful still towards their marriage. Like, just those comments are just so distasteful. It's just like, it's Imagine how her friends feel knowing that she's making Wait, so did they ever say why she knew about it for a year and didn't mention it? No. She like, just said really that think... she knew about it for a year and just one day decided to call the police and tell them? I have no idea what... And you know what's funny, though, is that, no, it was the Crime Stoppers tip. Like, she didn't even call herself. She sent in the Crime Stoppers tip. So it's just, I have no idea what was going on in her head with that part. Maybe she thought that somehow it would be anonymous and, like, Marty would go down for this and her and Scott would never be involved. Which, again, just still to me is so sus. I'm so... I have no idea what made her want to call, like, a year later. I need to go watch that interview or, or interview. Does she ever say, does she ever acknowledge or say anything about the wig that she's wearing? No. Damn. Okay. They don't mention the wig. They're not that savage. They don't mention the wig. But there is a show called The The Fog of Murder. 
And they did an episode on this story. It's... Yeah, I mean, this episode is... Or that story is very foggy, considering all the details, because it seems like everyone is suspicious. Yeah, it's that... a fo- It's called A Fog of Murder. Sorry, not the... A Fog of Murder, and it was season one, episode four, and they talk about it, this story. Damn. I feel like that's what follows this podcast around, A Fog of Murder. Right. But, yeah... It's so sad. It's so sad. Like, she literally did not need to die for any reason whatsoever. Yeah, I'm really sorry to Desiree's family and friends that had to have her name kind of, like, brought through all these lies and lost a beautiful person and all of her students lost someone for no frickin' reason. But she clearly was voicing her uncomfortability with their relationship. Right. In texts. I'm pissed. But Paige and Scott are just going to maintain that she was cool with it. And, like, I don't even know if she ever lived with them. Like, it almost seems like she did, or he just, like, proposed the. No, it seems like they did because based on the text, she said, he leaves, one of you leaves, yeah, and the that's other true. gets up. Like, he, I bet, said it was a friend. Yeah, I'm sure he pitched it. Like, she needs help, or she's out, down on her luck, or something like that. But it's just yeah. so sad for Desiree. Like,. Let let us know if you guys have heard of this. I've never heard of this. I've only seen the picture based on the wig. (laughs) Yeah, I'd never heard of this either, as sad as it is. If that wig picture didn't get my attention, I don't know if I honestly ever would, which is really sad because she was a great teacher and a really, like, a pillar in her community, so... And let us know if you guys think we're being too harsh. If you guys think I'm being too harsh on her, that's okay. And I don't think her or Scott did the murder. I definitely do think it's Marty. Do I think, though, they're being totally honest? Hell no. Yeah. We can have different opinions here and still get along. Just uh, message us what you think. We'll chat. We can all get along here. No hate. This is like a space where we're all comfortable here. Yeah. We're all love. We just want to talk about what happened because that's crazy and Desiree deserves to have her story told. Agreed. Well, agreed. Good episode, Jackie. That was a good one. Thank you. Not a, not a good one, but that was crazy. Like, double love triangle kind I of. I know, right? Like, whose love is killing who? Wow. A lot of love everywhere and a lot of hate. I agree. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys had a great Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. Hope you guys have a great rest of your February. We hope you guys are staying warm and safe out there. And we will see you guys on another episode of Ooh, That's Creepy. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at Ooh, That's Creepy Podcast. Or send us an email at Ooh, That's Creepy Podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, Creepy Cats.